This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. We're about to get into our Bible study, but before we do, Gemma is going to bring us a clue for our quiz, which nobody has solved yet. Do you have a challenging one this morning? The next clue is, after Paul healed a crippled man in Lystra, is that how you pronounce that? Lystra? 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 Whatever. Yeah. The people worshipped us as gods. They called me Zeus and Paul Hermes. Okay. Who ended up being worshipped? Paul and finish that sentence, that phrase, and you'll get the answer right. And just then give us a call on 1-800-324-843, which is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Just spell it out on your keypad. And the prize is a copy of Ministry of Healing. Yes. Which is a great book. Which has an outstanding chapter in it on mental health that um, <coughs> David Helped was just highlighting. Highly here recommended. Highly recommended. Indeed. All right, let's go to um, our Bible study. Before we do, there are a couple of things I do need to mention and remind you all about, and that is, of course, the Faith FM app. Yes. The Faith FM app, there's a lot of things you can do on the Faith FM app, but the most important thing you can do on the Faith FM app is listen to Faith FM because I know a lot of, you know, part of the challenges of running a uh, low-power network of transmitters is, well, one of the benefits is you have a lot of transmitters, one of the challenges is that sometimes you have people who are living in an area where they drive out of range of one of those transmitters or they get caught stuck in the zone between two. Yes. And, of course, the signal arrives at each transmitter at a slightly different time and so you hear my voice and then you hear my voice again. <laughs> and so if you're hearing it again and then again, then uh, you might be stuck in one of those zones. The easy way to solve that, of course, is to just grab the app on your phone, run it through the Bluetooth in your car, and you'll have perfect signal everywhere all the time. Never any static, never any worry about driving behind a hill, never have to worry about driving under power lines. Is the app live or it is a delayed broadcast? <clears throat> it is live. Wow. Live, you do, yeah, and that's the other thing too because I know about uh, half of you receive the breakfast show as the delayed broadcast. Which means you don't get to, call, you know, call in for the quiz and these kinds of uh, uh, be a part of the show. But if you're listening on your phone, you do. You. The other great thing, of course, is if you're in a workshop, because a lot of our listeners are in workshops, and you know, the the, the boss or the foreman selects what channel you want to listen to on the radio. You may or may not like what is played on the radio, but you can always just. Uh, Put your headset in your ears underneath your earmuffs. <laughs> um, I know quite a few tradies who do that. And uh, phone in your pocket and away you go. And you've got Faith FM all day long. Why not? Absolutely. Clear as crystal. Beautiful signal right across Australia. Um, <clears throat> it is the way to go. And it is entirely free. It'll take you all of like 30 seconds to download it. And we tried that. We test run it when I we downloaded did. the app on air live we on did. my phone without a hitch. That's right. No worries. Good to go, mate. Make sure that you get Faith FM Australia. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> because if you just get Faith FM, then that's the American one. But get Faith FM Australia. That's the one to get. We are in Daniel chapter 7. Gemma, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. And we have been talking about the four beasts of Daniel chapter 7. 
These great beasts which are four are four kingdoms which shall arise out of the earth. The Bible says in verse 17. So we know we have four kingdoms here. And so basically what you've got in Daniel chapter <coughs> 2, you've got four metals symbolizing Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. In Daniel 7, you have four creatures. These are going to parallel each other, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Then when you come to Daniel 8 and 9, you find that you've only got three, and that is by the time you get down to that time period, Babylon is gone, so it just focuses on starts on Persia because the repeat and enlarge always starts in the time of the prophet. When you get down to 10 through 12, you've got the same three again. And because this same sequence is repeated in very, very clear language, I mean, you go to chapter you know, uh, 8 and 9 and 10 through 12, and it just names them for you. Just names the, you know, this one's Greece and this one's Medo-Persia and so forth. Just names it for you. Because you've got it in such detail there, um, it becomes very, very easy to understand which nations these beasts symbolize. We noted that the bear that we were reading about yesterday, the symbol of Medo-Persia, was a lopsided bear. It was strong on one side, weak on the other. And the Medo-Persian Empire was a lopsided coalition. Then we noted the bear had three ribs in its mouth. Oh, Clearly it had been so cool. eating other beasts. A beast symbolizes a nation. It's eaten three other nations. And when the Medes and the Persians came to power, they were opposed by three nations, the Babylonians, the Lydians, and the Egyptians. Mm. And they conquered all three of them, ate all three of them. They didn't have to conquer any other nations because all the other nations just more or less, you know, accepted the Persian deal. Um, so those, but those were the three big ones. They did, you know, there was lots of other fighting, of course, but those were the three big ones. <coughs> then we came down to a leopard. What's interesting about the leopard is it has four wings. Now we mentioned yesterday that wings are a symbol of speed of conquest. Why don't, why don't you read that one for us, Gemma, just to catch us up to date? Daniel chapter seven and verse five, uh, six, please. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. It had four birds' wings on its back, and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. Okay, so this beast uh, has risen to power with uh, its uh, four wings and its four heads. We noted yesterday that wings in the Bible are a symbol of speed of conquest. Yes. And anybody who's studied the history of the Greek Empire finds that the Greek Empire sort of came from nowhere. They were almost tribal. They were called city-states, which is a fancy way of saying sophisticated tribes. And then they became... Suddenly, under Philip, they were united. He dies, or is murdered, mm. and his son Alexander comes to the throne, and he's just a kid. Mm. But he's a very bold kid. And within a very, very short space of time, by the, age, by the time he reaches the age of 33, he's conquered the world. You know, he's taken these small city states of Greece. He's taken them over to Persia. He's taken on the, on the, on the world's superpower mm. for three very, very closely run battles against the Persians and won. And become, you know, it basically ends up inheriting, you know, and, and conquering the then known world. What a resume. I mean, this, this guy goes as far as India. That's a big chunk of that's real estate. Massive. That is a, he goes down to Egypt. Oh, wow. That's like the world 
Yeah, this is this is this is this is Europe invading Asia and just carving off the biggest, fanciest chunk of it and saying they'll take that. Thank you. What's interesting is that when Alexander died, he did not give the kingdom to either of his sons. Interesting. So basically, in doing so, what he did was pronounce a death penalty on his sons. You know, these these, these guys are kids, they're teenagers, whatever. And <clears throat> you know that if you do not appoint somebody to be heir, mm. then there's going to be fighting over it. And you know that somebody who is a kid is not going to survive that fighting. And that... You know, it's going to obviously end badly for them, but he doesn't care. And so when you come to, to Alexander the Great, he was, a, you know, you study the history of this guy, he was a psychopath. Mm. He was, a, in my opinion, this guy was a much bigger psychopath than Nebuchadnezzar was. Really? Nebuchadnezzar oh, was kind of nuts, No, though. I'm dead serious. Like, you have no idea how messed he, up Alexander what was. What did he do? Brief history. Well, 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 to begin with, just to completely ignore the the... Your own children like that. Because what he does is he says the kingdom will go to the strongest. Now, you've got to understand the reason behind this and the way Alexander's mind worked. He was a Greek. Hmm. And he was following Greek philosophy and they'd inherited a lot of their philosophy from the Egyptians. And the Greek, the Greeks invented the whole idea of natural selection and evolution. True. Right. So we're going to just we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about natural selection and the process of evolution in uh, just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So very few people realize this, but when Charles Darwin wrote his book on the origin of the species, he was basically copying it from the Greeks. Yeah, see, that was going to be my first question for you. I was like, I thought Charles Darwin was the big... No, no, no. Okay. It, it, it was almost, you know, he 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 copied it. He was a, obviously, uh, um, you know, a very good student of uh, you know, classical Greeks. Mm-hmm. And he copied their... He, he Basically, he took their theory for the origin of life, removed the Greek gods from the equation... And wrote it out as a scientific thesis. So he took a religion, got rid of the gods, and kept the rules as a That's explanation right. of that. Absolutely. Weird. You see, the Greeks believed that life originated in mud. Okay, yep. Darwin called it a primordial soup. Nice. It's just a scientific term to the same thing. Yeah. Gunk. It was um, just some, some yeah. stuff. Yeah. And junk, basically rubbish. Yeah, right. You get, you get rubbish, you get life. Okay, cool. Sure. Now, uh, medieval Europe, of course, believed the same thing. The Greeks came to it about came to this conclusion by observing. They observed that if you took soil, added water, and created mud, that sooner or later you would have worms. Therefore, what? mud was the origin of life. That's okay. so rubbish is the origin of life. Oh, nice. Darwin said exactly the same thing. You get a primordial soup, give it enough time, and it's going to grow worms. Yeah. And that's the origin of life. Mm. The medieval concept was a little bit less refined. Less refined than that? I mean, that's pretty unrefined. Less refined. Um, The medieval concept was if you get junk, pile it up, you'll get mice. Mm. 
I mean, therefore, <laughs> junk is what is the origin of life. I mean, I can't argue with that logic. Like, you get a lot of junk, you're gonna get, you know, mice or cockroaches or worms or you know. Every evolutionist today, because we laugh at that because it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Every evolutionist today believes exactly the same thing. But they- you get junk, as in you have a big bang, right? You get junk, and as a result of that junk, you're going to have, sooner or later, life. So junk creates life. We have mosquitoes buzzing around in oh, our We're, we're right going now. to war with this thing. Where is it? It's a, been I, hiding. It's in the corner. I've got it's over there. Okay. Spray it. Spray it. There goes the anti-aircraft <laughs> artillery right there. <coughs> and now we're all dying from uh, bug spray. <coughs> <coughs> now you know how I feel, Gemma. <coughs> coughing and what? Coughing away. Yep. Okay, but this is this was this was Greek philosophy that Darwin was using, directly copying from. Uh, of course, the concept then the, uh, of how life turned from worms into humans was a process, according to the Greeks, of survival of the fittest and natural selection. And you'll see the extremes of it in places like Sparta. So, you know, you take a Greek city-state like Sparta, which was very militaristic, and they would take every newborn child, take it from its mother, take it off its mother, and place it on the doorstep of the home. If it was still alive the next day, they would keep that child. Mm. And what they were trying to do was to build a super race through the process of natural selection. Yeah, I saw already landed on me. Yep, he's now legs up. Natural selection has not gone well for that mosquito. <laughs> the mosquito was in trouble. Um, <clears throat> and so they were trying to build a super race of super warriors through the process of natural selection. Mm. And so when Alexander the Great says the kingdom will go to the strongest. Oh, it was his way of being like... He wanted to build an empire that would be the strongest empire that would last forever, that would never collapse, um, because it would only be ruled by the person who was worthy to rule it, rather than being... Not worthy to rule it, I should say, but strong enough to rule it. Yeah. There's a difference between those two. Um, rather than being ruled by somebody who was appointed to rule it. So he wasn't establishing a democracy like the Romans tried to do. Uh, he, was esta- he was using true principles of evolution. And if evolution was truly a thing, this, was a gr- this, is, this would be a great case study as to how evolution improves and strengthens uh, a particular entity. Hmm. And what it did was prove, yeah, what we all know about evolution. It's a load of crock. I could be getting slightly off topic, but I have a question yes. about evolution. So we're still kind of... Because you've got, like, have you ever heard the terms macroevolution or microevolution? Yes. Thoughts? Uh, microevolution is adaptation. Okay, so you wouldn't give it the term evolution. But, I mean, that's what it's called. That's what it's referred I to. Know. But it's not really evolution. It's evolution. adaptation. Yeah, because like when, basically, because basically when Darwin micro- studied like the finches and how their beaks, you yes. know, changed for the different diets that they ate, like you can't deny that that happened because that was a study and it's been documented. Nobody denies that. But that's that's what people call oh because of that that makes a case for evolution, but like it doesn't, and that's where we get the micro. Nobody denies from. that in Queensland, red-bellied black snakes have smaller heads than they were what they used to. Yeah, because all the ones with big heads ate cane toads and died. Yeah. So only the ones with small heads, genes for small heads, survive. But people use that as an argument for evolution because look how this, this creature has okay. changed. 
Next time we have Dr. John Ashton on here. Okay, I've got that who question. Who comes on monthly. You can ask him that question. Before you do, oh, there's a couple of things I'll point out. There has never been an observable instance where beneficial new genetic material has ever been added to any organism. Yeah. There have been lots of instances where genetic material has been lost and information has been lost. And as a result of that loss of information, a change has taken place in that species. For example, the snake having a smaller head because the big... Cause, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a disadvantage for the snake because now he also can't catch rats. He's got to live off mice because, you know, these kind of things. Um, <clears throat> and so we've got lots and lots of examples of devolution, mm. but not evolution. Oof, nice. Devolving. Yeah. Not evolving. True. Uh, the other thing, of course, we've never seen is uh, one species becoming another. Yeah, cross species. There's yeah, changes, like, and the changes that do happen are only it's ever never been within observed. an individual species. And we've never found a missing link. Yep. We've found individual species. Mm. There's no such thing as a missing link that has ever been discovered. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that was a sidetrack, but a really good question to ask Dr. John Ashton next time he comes on and... Uh, yeah, keep our number if you'd like to make that phone call, 1-800-324-843. Where were we? Let's go back to uh, Daniel chapter 7. Oh, we were talking about uh, Greece. And so basically what Alexander says, the kingdom will go to the strongest. What then happens is his generals fight over it after he dies. He dies at the age of 33 and his generals fight over the kingdom. Yeah, That's exactly what Alexander planned to happen. He's like, yep, a bloodbath is what we need. What? Chaos. And death is what creates life. Huh. That's what evolution teaches. Yeah. Evolution teaches that death is the means of creation. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, like out of chaos comes order. Like out of Exactly. That's that's that that's is an evolutionary philosophy. And so just as he planned it to happen, there was chaos and his generals fought amongst themselves. There was a bloodbath and blood was shed from one end of the empire to the other mm. and the entire empire greek empire collapsed yeah because out of chaos cannot come order out of chaos comes chaos yeah so fair enough they collapsed and eventually it became four different kingdoms under cassander lysimachus ptolemy and seleucus what names wow. and they didn't stop fighting with each other either mm until it became the Seleucids in the north and the Ptolemies in the south. And, of course, Daniel chapter 11 is famous for giving us a tremendous amount of detail on those two particular uh, kingdoms, but we'll come to that when we come to chapter 11. But that's what happened. It devolved. It fell apart. It was a disaster. And then, of course, you know, you've got that whole Hellenistic period during which the Seleucids and the Ptolemies never stopped fighting with each other hmm. until the Romans just... Destroyed the whole thing. Which wouldn't have been that hard at that point. Well, there were some rather hard-fought battles with the establishment of the Roman Empire. The biggest thing the Romans had to struggle with was themselves. Hmm. They couldn't decide whether they wanted to be a republic or an empire <laughs> until Julius Caesar decided for them and said, no, you're an empire. I'm an emperor forever. Um, no, a dictator, I should say, forever. Anyway, he's not the first person, neither will he be the last to make statements like that. We need to come back and we need to look at this Roman Empire that is about to arise. It is about to um, get rid of the Roman Republic and replace it with an empire. And that all happens in verse 7 and 8. 
And that's going to lead us to the subject of the Antichrist. Right now we have the straightway singers with A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. That was Straightway Singers with A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. We are about to get up to Daniel chapter 7, verse 7, please, Gemma. Then in my vision that night I saw a fourth beast 
terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts, and it had ten horns. Okay, so when we come to this particular beast right here, we often, theologians call it the nondescript beast. Because it... Well, I mean, you got a you got a bear, you got a leopard, it's you not got a, a you know, it's just a it's just a beast. It's not a description of anything we know. Yeah, anything we can recognize. The Bible says, and there's a number of uh, identifying characteristics here that it was dreadful and terrible and exceedingly strong. Mm. Okay, so if you think that your Greek empire was very powerful, that's a bit horrifying. This one comes along. And it is incredibly more powerful. Yeah. It has great iron teeth, which kind of points us back to the legs of iron in, of, of Rome in Daniel chapter 2. Yes. Reminiscent of the same thing. It devours, it breaks in pieces and stamps the residue with its feet. And so <clears throat> we have here a beast that it really is symbolizing or describing tremendous power. Yeah. Strength. Yeah. Now... When you look at the Roman Empire, you're going to find the Roman Empire. This is a very fit description of the Roman Empire because it's three times bigger than any previous empire and lasts for three times longer. Really? <coughs> three, how is it? Hang on, wait. If it's a world, if it's like a, a world empire, how is it three times bigger than the previous world empires? <coughs> Lyle's dying a little bit. Yep. Okay. You said it's three times bigger. That's right. But if but because the world how? <laughs> expanded by three times, like you mean like the known world at the time? Is yeah, when, when, when you, we talk when about you say world, world empire, it's not the entire globe. It's it's the known. That's right. Because if you talk about a world power, you know, if you look out at the out at the world right now, and this is and this is language that is used, you know, amongst theologians and historians, that the general population no longer uses. But the general population used to use this kind of language. If you go back to you know, say, for instance, the First World War, the Bible, the, the, the historians or the, the, even the politicians, you know, everyday society would talk about the great powers, the world powers. Yeah. And you, the world powers are places like England, where, you know, the British Empire, the southern sun did not set on the British Empire. And uh, Germany, of course, was a world power. Russia was a world power. These were, these were the great powers. And then you had the rising powers in contrast to that, like places like the United States and Japan. Yep. These were not the great powers. These were the rising powers. Mm -hmm. And, of course, by the time you come to the Second World War, Japan is a world power. United States is unquestionably a world power. Mm. And through, you know, you know, throughout our lifetime, it has been the dominant world power. If we were right now, we would say that China is a world power uh, because of the influence that it exerts. And so this is, this, this, when we talk about world powers, we're not talking about um, <clears throat> powers that control the whole world, but powers that dominate the whole world. Right. Powers that are in the Bible and in prophecy, interestingly enough, symbolic of the whole world, of the whole globe. So, for instance, Babylon, when you read about it in Revelation chapter 18, becomes symbolic of the entire world, yep. as does Rome in several places. It's used as a symbol of, you know, the entire world. If you go to uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, you find that the Bible says there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed because this was the greatest empire in the world and it considered itself to be 
the world. Yeah. Outside of Rome, there were tribes and there were insignificant peoples as far as they were concerned. Um, you know, of course, there were, you know, in, in, enormous and powerful empires in other parts of the world, like, say, for instance, uh, South America, Central America, <coughs> China, and so forth. But as far as they were concerned, this was the world. And for, you know, the region in which biblical uh, stories and God's people were taking place, that was what was relevant. So, yeah, world powers. Anyway, three times bigger. You look at a map of what Rome conquered. It was one of the largest and most successful empires ever to exist. Hmm. <clears throat> um, probably nothing on the scale of the Mongolian Empire, but out of all the big empires, there never really was anything on the scale of the Mongolian Empire. Okay, <clears throat> the Bible goes on and it says that it devours, it breaks in peace, it stamps the residue with the feet of it. And it has ten horns. Now, this is very, very interesting because if you there's a there's a <clears throat> an observable parallel here between Daniel seven and Daniel two. In the image of Daniel two, clearly the image has ten toes. Yeah, sure. Here you find, and, and the, the 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 verse in Daniel two specifically mentions the ten toes. Yes. Here the Bible specifically mentions the ten horns. Ooh. So we've got to understand, okay, we know what a beast symbolizes. What does a horn symbolize? Yeah, why does the number ten keep popping up? Exactly. Um, and to find the answer to that, we're going to go down to verse 24. If you could read for us Daniel 7 and verse 24, please, the first line or two. Its ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Mm-hmm. Ten kings. What you're going to find is that in Bible prophecy, in apocalyptic end time symbolic prophecy, a king is always synonymous with his kingdom. Yes. You can use the word king or kingdom inter- interchangeably. Yeah, it's referring to the same thing. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Daniel 7 and verse 17, these great beasts which are four are four kings. Yes. Right? So there it says kings. Go down to verse 23. It says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom. There it says kingdom. Yeah, my version says world power. Yeah. And your version in verse 17 says kingdoms. Yes. Whereas mine says kings. Huh. So kings, kingdoms, uh, these are all synonymous with each other. And so when the Bible says that the ten horns are ten kings that are ruling, you don't have ten kings ruling in one kingdom. Yeah. That doesn't happen. I mean, a king represents a kingdom. So it's each That's king right. representing his own kingdom. So exactly. it's ten different kingdoms. Ten different kingdoms. Yeah. So what you've got to ask yourself is this. Did Rome ever have ten kings ruling it? No, it did not. No. Uh, it had times when you might say that there were two consuls. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you might say that under the triumvirate or the, second tri- the first or the second triumvirate, there were three. But ten's a bit of a stretch. There was never any time when there was ten until the Roman Empire collapses. That's right, because then they split. They split. Mm. And initially they split into ten separate kingdoms. What's interesting about that is that seven, mark that number well, seven of those kingdoms are the foundational nations of modern-day Europe. That's cool. And three of them... Are not. Oh, this is like the Visigoths and the. I remember some of this from. The, that's one of the tribes, one of the ten, right? One of the ten nations. One of the ten nations. One of the ten nations. 
Uh, one of the ten. <clears throat> well, there was three of them that do not end up being a part of Europe. Europe. Yeah, that's right. And we're going to find out the reasons why. Well, actually, if you read down in verse, uh, where was it, eight? It says, another little horn came among them, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and mouth speaking great things. Oof. We find that the Antichrist rises to power, and in doing so, wipes out three. So the original ten are reduced to seven. But that is tomorrow's story. Oh, so excited. You're going to have to wait. This is Jeff Bullock. God's righteousness revealed The Son of Man The Son of God His kingdom comes Jesus Redemption Adventist Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community. Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner, enjoy good company and have a great time. All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket and you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tin food, pasta bread and toiletries. Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner. Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton every Thursday evening. All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there. 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Jess, I've just found a great op shop in Aubrey. Really? Where is it? It's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. They have all these cool clothes for the whole family and great stuff for their house as well. And the people there are so friendly. They love a chat. <laughs> Sounds good. It gets better. If you mention you heard this ad on Faith FM, you can fill a bag of clothes for just $5. Well, I'm in. When is it open? They're open every Wednesday and Thursday from 9 to 3. Looks like we'll have to make a date. Remember, it's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. I'll see you there next week.
that was the Roops with Standing in the Presence of the King. You're listening to Faith FM. We have come to Question of the Day time. I think our quiz is still out there, Gemma. It is. Nobody's answered it yet, so I want to give them another clue. Okay. Because they can do it. It's a really good book. We want to give the away. Ministry of Healing is an outstanding book on uh, good health and spirituality. The next clue. Paul and I were the first missionaries sent out from the church in Antioch. Okay, who were the first missionaries, the first Christian missionaries? If you know the answer, then uh, once again, our number is 1-800-324-843. Or text us on 0491-064-669. Gemma, what is our question of the day sent through from a listener? The question of the day is, why did God choose such a simple action? eating fruit from a simple object, a tree, to be the test of Adam and Eve's obedience and the only way that they could sin and fall from God's grace. It seems too simplistic compared to what Satan and his angels had to do to be cast out. Okay, so the Bible doesn't say. Yeah, well, yeah. And seeing as the Bible doesn't say, I'm going to share my opinion. Yes. And you can take it or leave it. I really don't mind because it's just my opinion. Um, where the Bible doesn't say, I can't give you a Bible answer. Your opinion's pretty However, well thought out and based on <laughs> what we do know from the Bible. So. so here comes my opinion. All right, I'm ready. First of all, how do we know that the test that uh, Lucifer faced was a more difficult test? What test did Lucifer face? His test was just to worship God. I was going to say, I didn't think he had a test. It was just, yeah. you know, you're an angel, so you just you do... He was given, yeah. His test was that he was given freedom of choice. Yeah, okay, yeah. Now, when uh, this world was created, Satan you know, could have come... If, if God had not allowed Satan to come down here, Satan could have gone to God and said, well, you're forcing their conscience because you're not giving them the opportunity to choose. I chose to rebel against you. And some of your angels chose to join me, but you're not giving these people the opportunity to choose. Mm. In doing so, what God, if, if God had not let Satan come down here, he would have removed our power of choice. Oh, yeah, that's true. Wow. And Satan would have turned around and said, okay, you're a God of force, you're not a God of love, because power of choice is what creates love. Yeah. And if there is no power of choice, there is no love. But, I mean, he couldn't have done that because, you know, God has given us free will. So... There's, there's no way, though, because that would force God to be something that he's not. Exactly, exactly. And, and Satan would have said, okay, you've given them free will, uh, but you're not really giving them a fair chance because you're not giving me an opportunity to actually propose an alternative. Yeah, so there was nothing else that could have been done in that way because it has to, God has to be a God of love because like, that's his character. So in order for that to happen, yeah. it would go against God's character. Okay, so think about this. So God says, all right, I will let you come down to earth. But on the entire planet, and let's face it, for a human being, our world is big. Yeah. On the entire planet, I'm only going to give you access to one tree. Hmm. Just one tree. <laughs> How many trees were there on the planet? How many trees are there on the planet now? Uh, a lot. And so what God was doing was this. God was saying, okay, human beings have the power of choice, and I'm not going to disallow Satan from sharing his point of view. God believes in freedom of speech. Yeah. Because if a thought can't be spoken, it can't be understood. Mm. And if you force people's thoughts, you remove their power of choice. Yeah. And in doing so, love doesn't exist. So he allows Satan one tree. 
And as our question pointed out, it's just a piece of fruit. God could not have made it any easier for human beings. Mm. And our question is like, so why did God make it so easy for us? The answer is that God loves us. He's not, God is not in the business of making life hard for us. God did not want us to sin. He desperately wanted us not to sin, and he makes it as easy as possible for us as he can while still allowing Satan to be able to present his case mm. and therefore not giving Satan an opportunity to accuse God and thus gain more followers to himself. Yeah, yeah. That Satan gained more followers to himself. And so in many ways, this was a genius move by God. And I think Satan would have been pretty discouraged when he saw what God was doing. Like, really? One tree? That's all I've got? As it turns out, it went well for Satan. It did not go well so well for human beings. It did not go so well for God because it ended up involving the death of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Something that we should never forget.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Anna Laura <coughs> with Abide in Me. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, and Gemma is about to give something away for free. Today, we are going to give away a Bible. We're going to give away a Bible. So, all you have to do to get this Bible is give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, and you will have a Bible, whether or not you already have one. Maybe you want to call up and you can pass it along to a friend of yours who doesn't have one. Yeah, definitely. It's good. Fantastic. So there's nothing better than uh, getting a free Bible. And um, right now you can get one. I believe it's a uh, New King James Version. It will be a New King James Version, yes. And uh, <coughs> yeah, get it for yourself. Get it for somebody else. Totally free. Have it as a spare. Yeah. Uh, best gift in the world. <laughs> right here on Faith FM. We would like to you all. We would like to encourage all of you to study your Bibles wherever you are, whatever you are doing. We have. If you give us a call right here, we can make arrangements for you. If you'd like to study the Bible with someone, um, then we can arrange that. If you would like to be a part of a small group, we can arrange that as well. If you'd like to study online, just give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and we will set you up with online Bible studies. Uh, or if you would like to do my course, which is called The Prophetic Code, then just give us a call on that same number, 1-800-324-843, and we will connect you with the Discovery course where you can do my entire Prophetic Code course for free, right here on, uh, available right here on The Breakfast Show. Anyway, friends, do not forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus. me mm-hmm. 
Everyone who is born from God has overcome the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. You're listening to Faith FM. Bye. 